0: Red meat is one of the most nutrient-dense foods on planet Earth. More so, this is going to get a lot of people out of It's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. It has more nutrients than vegetables. It has more nutrients than chicken. It has more nutrients than pork. It is one of the best things you can be eating. What confidence is, it has nothing to do with winning or the leaderboard. What confidence is, is knowing that you giving One, your best four, effort three, is enough. Three,
1: Greetings, Ben. Hey, Patrick. What's happening? Not a much. I'm um, doing something a little bit different today. We, um... In addition to this fine podcast, you also do another one for the gym specifically. It's called the CFNE way, um, where once a week you sit down with one of the coaches over there, Dan, um, and he basically does what I do here, except for usually for gym specific things. But a lot of times, uh, the things you guys end up talking about are, uh, broad enough that I think that they're just as valuable for this audience uh, as as it is for the 400 plus members you have over there. Completely agree. Um, and recently you guys have been doing a series of sort of like rapid fire, um, lightning round nutrition questions. And so what I wanna to do today in this episode is sort of do a mashup, take a lot of those answers um, that you and Dan sort of uh, had over the last couple of weeks and sort of throw them together in one episode. So that's what today is. But before we do that, um, one question I have for you is, I'm always sort of, I don't know why I continue to be surprised, but every time you and I talk about nutrition or here you talk about nutrition, I'm always, I always forget how much of a nutrition nerd you are. <laughs> um, and I think it's because uh, I think of you as, you know, the CrossFit Games coach or the I'm just kidding. You, you, you just call me a nerd. Like you like, are a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a good way, in a, in a, in a very productive way. It. Yes. Um, so my question to you now, before we sort of get into the the rapid fire questions with Dan is... I know you've been thinking about this for a long time and I'm curious where, if you were to point people to some resources, some places, like where did you start to like gather all of the information, gather all the stuff that, you know, I know it's taken you 10 mm-hmm. or 15 years of learning, of reading, mm-hmm. of, of paying attention, but is there a place, are there places that you could sort of point to and say like those were the sort of the seminal places or those were, I would, that those were uh, sort of where I would suggest you start.
0: Okay. Um, It's a great question. It's a big question. Where do you learn about nutrition, especially today where it's like you click on the internet, you go on WebMD, and I've heard of this internet before. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yes, The interweb is a very strange, mysterious place. (laughs) So, in this sea of confusion, you know, like where do you point to a trusted resource? And that's one of the things that's really, I think, unique and special about nutrition because nutritional science is so darn hard, right? It's to actually do a new, all science is based off of studies. Like you have a hypothesis, you study it, and there's a conclusion. Well, when you are studying nutrition, there's a lot of things that you're up against. Like most notably, it has to be over a very long time period, right? Like you studying how you respond to food for 20 minutes, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So you have to gather these subjects for a very long time, hopefully decades. That's really hard to do. That has to be over a big sample size. So hundreds of people. So you're not just studying this small subset. And then from there, you have to control what they're eating for a very long time. I mean, the, the, the complexities of that are just enormous, right? And then are you truly controlling for other factors? Because what about the other environmental and activity levels and hereditary, you know? I mean, so... It's hard to find out what's true in the world of nutrition. So, I the way I've done this is try and find some sources you trust. Yeah. Right. It's like who lines up and who do you, uh, who do you trust? It's like what the Joker said in the first Batman. It's like <laughs> I'm giving away free money. He, where's the Bat guy? Who do you trust? And then he poisons everybody. <laughs> um, so I'll kind of walk through my kind of evolution, and there's a lot of like stop-offs along the way here. But the first nutrition book I ever read was when I first became a personal trainer. My mom handed this to me on my birthday, and it was a book by Michael Pollan called In Defense of Food. Okay, And that kind of set my whole thing up, right? And it's I liked Michael Pollan's approach because to me, he didn't have an agenda. It was just, here's what's going on. And he wasn't out like to say like, you must eat paleo. And then because of that, green beans aren't good. Or you must eat zone. And because of that, you know, if you don't weigh and measure, you're going to go to hell. And if it's like, <laughs> it was like, it, he didn't have an agenda for, behind any of it. It was just like, he was just trying to find some I truth. like that. Yeah. So Michael Pollan, that was my first book, In Defense of Food. Then it's Omnivore's Dilemma. And then he wrote uh, Food Rules, which is this really kind of nice, really short, easy one, like a Cliff Notes version of it. Um, so that's where I went first. So. Um, from there, I was exposed to early days of CrossFit. People will love this. Rob Wolf. Yep. Um, Rob Wolf was the CrossFit nutrition guy. Um, very uh, very, very paleo side of things. Um, you know, did was not an advocate of weighing and measuring whatsoever, but he has a lot of good stuff and you know you shouldn't throw out the the baby with the bathwater. just because he doesn't weigh and measure doesn't mean he has, he has he's a f- really smart dude um i've st- continued to read his stuff from paleo solution was the first book i thought it was okay wired to eat is his most recent one thought it was phenomenal oh good really good he also did a really good um podcast with joe rogan yep. um worth listening to for sure the next one after that, I kind of fell into was Gary Tobbs, who wrote um, Good Calories, Bad Calories, and then which is like, good luck to reading home. it. Oh, yeah. my God. It's yeah. like, you know what? Just don't even start. <laughs> Just don't even start reading it. Instead, skip over to writing reading the other book, which he wrote because he realized how hard it was to get through Good Calories, Bad Calories, and read Why We Get Fat. Yep. Um, much more digestible, no pun intended, but that's where I went to the next one. And then from there, I've kind of gone in this world of like the deep dives, right. Of like the gut microbiome and, uh, you know, real like, uh, nutrient deficiencies and how food plays a role in autism and autoimmune disease and, uh, all that stuff. And that's kind of the functional medicine world. And the go-to source I have for that one is Chris Kresser um really dry kind of voice he has a great podcast but it might put you to sleep <laughs> but the f- content is incredible yep. and a uh, great website as well right up to you can become a functional medicine coach through his institute which is the Cressler institute um you, you you go on his site and you're going to take it's going to expose you to this web so you can take a huge dive into through there gotcha. obviously there's everyone else doing the gut microbiome stuff and blood analytics and um sweat analysis and all sorts of everything else that we're doing but those are the kind of the four things that set me on my trajectory so it might be a nice place for maybe other people find the one leads to another rabbit hole right? right and that's what the whole deal is is how deep do you want to go
1: down the rabbit hole awesome okay let's uh let's dive into the rabbit hole a little bit and go to your answers
2: so we uh, on our CFNE Twitter account, we went out there, we, we polled you guys, we said, Hey, what questions do you have on nutrition? I made that up, we don't have a Twitter account, but today is like lightning round of nutrition questions. Ooh. Maybe we should get a Twitter account. I don't even know how to tweet. But we have something even better, which is a piece of paper in Ben Bergeron's mind. Question number one. Ben, what supplement do you feel is overused?
0: Whey protein. Are we going to do like this? Like, am I going to do like that or should I get give uh, back up? No, we can.
2: We'll say uh, like we'll limit it. <laughs> Just that's it. All right. I can so, I, I give back up to what it. What is six times four? <laughs> no.
0: 24. No. <laughs> I had to think about that. That's good. That's, uh, okay. No, let back <laughs> Okay. So maybe I'll keep them like under <laughs> a, a little. I'll, I'll be quick. Yeah. Um, whey protein is good. It's not the end all be all. And people are using it throughout the day. And it shouldn't be used throughout the day. The reason it's good is because it's absorbed so quickly. Mm. It's a post-workout thing. It's not the thing to have when you're making a shake, when you're walking your dog in the afternoon or you're trying to fill some... That's what casein protein is for. Casein protein will keep you full longer and more will get absorbed in the muscles. So if I had to say one thing, I'd say whey protein because people are using it all the time when it's just a post-workout thing.
2: Mm-hmm. No way. <laughs> what, su- <laughs> what supplement do you feel is underused if there is one?
0: Creatine. Do I want me to go into ah. it? <laughs> uh creatine it's one of the most researched um mm-hmm. supplements there is and there are no known side effects your body produces it naturally anyway you get it through food um it's there's no side effects now there are people with intolerance it's just like there's people that are intolerant to eggs or grass or whatever some people but there are across the board it's a totally safe and it's incredibly powerful to create more powerful athletes and some people might be like well I don't want to get more powerful. In the in the ninety six Olympic Games, we're in Atlanta. I don't know why I know this stat, but there was ninety eight percent of Summer Olympians taking took creatine. Mm. It's just, it's, if you're an athlete, you should use it unless you are a super endurance athlete, in which case you want to shave off every microgram off your body as possible. Shave Big, off your hair too. Biggest part of your arm should be your elbows. That type of deal. Well, if that's the case, then I get it. But otherwise, if you are an athlete, you should be taking creatine. Creatine monohydrate. Creatine monohydrate, no matrixes, no complexes, no blends, no fancy nothing. Five grams a day. Don't need to load it. Don't need to go off of it. Don't need to worry about meal timing
2: cool. Only side effects is gains. Ben, what's cod liver oil and why do you drink it?
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh so cod liver oil is um is essentially the it's exactly what it sounds yeah, like. It's, yeah, it's truly. It's it's the liver from the fish cod. Um and the reason for it is twofold. One is the essential fatty acids. You see this in like health food sorts like EFAs and you see here the buzz about it. Essential fatty acids are DHA and EPA and there's big long names that go along with it but those are the abbreviations. Those are the really beneficial fats that do a lot of good things for you, your health, your longevity and all sorts of hormonal functions. It's like the mechanism for everything else to run off of. Mm-hmm. It's really important that you have a high quantity of that and there's the correlation between people that have high levels of EPA and DHA to the the health and longevity that they have is phenomenal. The second side of it is forget about the essential fatty acids and just in terms of like nutrient density, it's one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet, meaning the most vitamins and minerals. So if it was just one of those things and not the other, it'd be reason enough to have it every single day. Um, But the fact that it's both, it's phenomenal. Also, it's like a staple, It's it's a commonplace that every kid in Iceland has it. And Iceland's, Iceland, Icelandic men live longer than any other males on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. The females live the fourth longest of any females on planet Earth. And they happen to sit on the top of the podium at the CrossFit Games. Yeah. And I, that's one of the – it's like the way that we give kids cereal, they give their kids cod liver oil. It's literally every single day, every single morning. Not in quantities. Yeah, yeah. But in like in terms of like the regular routine of the way it goes. You came over to my house and just yes. acted it like it was. That's why I drink a yeah. tray out of the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. as wild. That was really cool.
2: Um, Ben, I don't like veggies, but they're okay in shakes. Am I getting the same benefit? Asking for a friend.
0: okay um so there's uh the first thing we have to clarify is it is is it a shake or is it juiced if it's Mm -hmm. a shake yes you're getting the same that's not a big deal if it's juiced no you're not juicing is not good don't juice so if you're getting it yeah if if you're listening not watching dan just (laughs) flexed when i said juice um the second side of that is it is um is it as healthy to Get it from a shake, mm-hmm. um, yes. But the thing that you have to be careful of is getting too much. Yeah. So there's um, things, believe it or not, that are not advantageous for us in things like spinach or arugula or kale. Like those things have things that are broccoli. There's things in those things that aren't great when you have a lot of them. So what you got to be careful of is people can very easily overload those things when they juice, where they uh, when they put them in a shaker or blender. Mm-hmm. Just be it's okay to put them in. Put a handful of spinach in the shake. Totally cool.
2: Yeah, This is a question for myself because I eat a lot of red meat. How much red meat is too much? This is a personal question.
0: Uh, very individually based. So if you are a person that has high cholesterol from a, um, sure. from a genetic standpoint, um, maybe something you want to limit. Um, if, it does, if it bothers your gut, maybe something you want to limit. But really interesting Red meat is one of the most nutrient-dense foods on planet Earth. More so, this is gonna get a lot of people out of it's gonna ruffle a lot of feathers, it has more nutrients than vegetables. It has more nutrients than chicken. It has more nutrients than pork. It is one of the best things you can be eating. Now, the sourcing matters, so you just gotta make sure you're getting it from a good source. But if you get a good grass-fed, cow like probably hard to do too much of it that's what i wanted to hear
2: (laughs) (laughs) obviously there's a good like balance of those omega-3s to omega-6s in grass-fed meats Mm mm-hmm but if I can't afford grass-fed meats, obviously, like, they tend to be a little bit more expensive. What is mm-hmm. the next best option
0: for those? Okay, so what you're talking about is omega-3 versus omega-6. Correct. And EPA and DHA are omega-3s. There's a whole bunch of omega-6s, which are the pro-inflammatory fats. These are the fats that we want to stay away from. Vegetable oils and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, processed foods, you know, hostess cupcakes, things like that have a lot of omega-6 fatty acids. In them. Correct. The goal is to try to keep those in line. Now, it's next to impossible unless you're eating fish every single day and you have no processed foods. That's one of the reasons that we supplement with um, cod liver oil is to bring that up closer in line. And we're looking to be somewhere in a 3 to 1 or a 2 to 1 ratio of 6 to 3. So we know we're going to have more 6. We're just trying to bring the 3 up. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do with that. The best way to do it, though, is... Not necessarily just try to bring the three up and up and up is to lower the six. Gotcha. If you eliminate bad oils and processed foods, you're doing that. So the way to get it in is not necessarily you don't need to, what's the question? If like I, buying grass fed beef okay, versus. You other can't things. buy grass-fed beef and you can't get wild-caught fish. Bring down processed foods mm-hmm. and you'll bring that ratio in line. The crazy thing is the average American Western diet is closer to like 15 to 1 or 20 to one. And in severe cases, 30 to 1. If it's 30 to one, you have no shot. You are going to be sick in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. You have to bring that down and hopefully bring the other one out. Cool.
2: Ben, I have a race coming up. I don't. Hypothetical question. I have a race coming up. Yep. Do I need to carb load?
0: No. Because what most people do before they race is they taper. They lower their activity level. As you lower your activity level, you're not burning through as much glycogen as you normally would. You are, by default, carbo-loading. Having said that, your body can only store so much carbohydrates as it is. Mm -hmm. Anytime you load the carbohydrates, you're just going to store it as fat, get your sluggish feeling bad. Don't carbo-load.
2: Cool. No more pasta potties, kid. Pasta potties? That was wicked Boston. Uh, Intermittent fasting. So a lot of it is like you have that 7 o'clock dinner. You don't eat until seven the next day, that's like 12, like what's intermittent fasting? Yeah, there's a
0: few different ways to do intermittent fasting. There's a lot of different ways. Um, But basically what intermittent fasting is, is is as as small as skipping a meal. So what most people do is they'll have dinner and they'll skip breakfast and they won't eat again until lunch. That gives them somewhere between like a 14 to 16 hour fast. There's a lot of good things that can come from that. Basic one being allows your body to kind of like get out of this post-digestive elevated Um, blood sugar state and find homeostasis and let it do its job and create a little more insulin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. The other um, thing it does, which is is just shorten up the eating window. So instead of eating for, you know, from seven in the morning to seven at night or 10 o'clock at night for some people, you know, that 12 to 15 hours, you're shortening it down into essentially an eight hour window. Because of that, people eat less calories. Less calories matters. It's not the most important thing, but it does matter.
2: Um, There's a lot of talk about like staying hydrated and things like that. How much water does the average person need in a day?
0: Okay, so the average person only needs to drink until they're not thirsty. That's like saying, how much food does the average person need to have? And someone Mm -hmm. being like, you and the food companies, the water companies, i.e. Coke and Pepsi, who own Dasani and Aquafina, they're the ones that are telling you you need more water, period. Now, big H two O. You, you don't need you know the eight glasses. You don't need the two Nalgene bottles. You don't need the one gallon of water. You need to be drinking to the point where you're not thirsty. Now, having said that, most people are thirsty because <laughs> yeah. they're not. You know, you, I'm gonna say this kind of on two ends of the spectrum. You don't need to be the college kid that walks around everywhere with a water bottle. Like that's a new thing. Like that didn't used to happen. Mm-hmm. But you also Need to drink enough to make sure that you're not thirsty. If you're thirsty, same thing. Like you shouldn't be walking around hungry all the time. You eat when you're hungry. You drink when you're thirsty. Now, if you are an athlete, you have to drink more because you sweat more and you are more likely to, I mean, it hesitant to use the word dehydration, but because it's, you have to, it's not that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. It's like what people, Gatorade's told you it's a huge problem. And all these water companies are telling you it's a huge problem. It's not. Dozens of people die every year from hypernatremia. That's too much water. Almost nobody dies in the United States from dehydration. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm. it's just almost, and but when they do, holy cow, does it make the news? Mm-hmm. Because we want to he- the companies want you to hear that. So that kid that died from dehydration in, you know, Texas doing two a days in football practice in August, we're going to make sure we hear about that one. It's pumped up. With but, the, data, right? yeah. but the four people that die a year from hyper- hypernatremia doing marathons, we don't, we don't hear about those ones. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say don't drink water. I'm not, so I'm going to say drink. Drink when, if you're thirsty, don't get thirsty. But you don't need tons of it. Cool. Your body does operate though. I mean, you want to be hydrated. You want it enough. Your body is an electrical system. It's electrical currents that run through you. Water is conductive. It works on that. It also, synovial fluid and the pliability of the muscles and your joints and like the better, like the better all that is lubricated. Mm -hmm. You know, it it matters. Just not as much as we've been led to believe.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Stay lubricated, my friends. Um, on the
0: basis of moist, like,
2: yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Heard that like five to six small meals a day is good for I was you. They say five
0: to six glasses of wine. Five to six glasses <laughs> bottles, yeah.
2: glass bottles of wine <laughs> is good for you. Uh, I know we talk about like three to four. Like, what's the difference between small meals or those normal?
0: Yep. Meals? So the theory behind the small meals what was and is. Um, if you have a little bit, you don't ca- – your body doesn't have to work hard to get through it. You won't spike insulin as much. Your blood sugar doesn't rise, and you can constantly burn it up. It's like putting a little piece of kindling on a fire. It's like – and you put it in the furnace, and it burns up and uses up energy. And it burns up as energy. Yeah. You like the sound effects? Yeah. If you have a big meal, the theory is that you are putting a wet blanket on the fire. Yeah. And it'll burn through it, but it's got to, like, work really hard. Now you get sluggish and bad things happen, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. There's two schools of thought to that. One is that. The other one is that if you're constantly fueling yourself, you have constantly elevated blood sugar. Every time you eat, your blood sugar rises. Mm -hmm. So if that's constantly happening, you're never letting your blood sugar drop down. You're constantly, your metabolism is going, but that might not be the end all be all. That might not be the winning state. The other side of it is three square meals a day, which is, gets a little bit, it's not intermittent fasting, but gets to that school of thought where I'm going to eat until I'm no longer hungry. And then I should be, as a human being, I should be able to go three, four hours without eating until my next meal. So if you do that and you eat at seven in the morning, Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Okay. We're there. We have lunch and then you wait and, you, you know, then you go one, two, three, four, five, six, and you're at dinner. Like mm-hmm. human beings should be able to do that without having these crazy hunger pains in between. Mm-hmm. If you are having them, it usually is an indicator that one, it could be that your metabolism is crazy and you work out four or five times a day like some of the people here. Yeah. But it could be that you've just become really, really carb dependent where your body is just burning up and it's looking and like screaming at you for more. And that's more of a habit than it is a um, hormonal actual real reaction that's that's a hunger thing.
2: Say I'm getting my four meals a day or I'm hitting my macros and I'm doing that and um, I still feel hungry all day. It's like, what do, I, what do you do in that scenario?
0: Okay, so they're, um, great question. Um, so I like what you prefaced it with, I'm getting in my macros, like I'm getting my four meals a day. What you're saying to me is, you're eating enough, mm-hmm. but you're still hungry. You might not be hungry. It might be a craving which is coming off as a hunger. You might be thirsty, which is coming off as a hunger. So what I would do is you have to really decide, or you have to really kind of work at figuring out, is this truly hunger from lack of food and nutrients, or is this something that I really want? And it can come off as hunger. So I've told the story a number of times about myself, where I, I trained, it came to the habit where my stomach would growl an hour after I ate dinner. That to me, like that tells me I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. It did it last night, actually. That I, this happened oh, last night. Oh, Crazy. So I finished, punctual. I finished eating dinner. An hour later, my stomach is growling. It's like, what the hell? Like, how am I hungry an hour after eating a thousand calories? Mm-hmm. Like I have big dinners. Like yeah. it, it doesn't make sense. And it's because I'm, I'm not hungry, but it comes my stomach growls out loud. But what it is, is like, it's like, where's the sugar? I, the reason is, this hasn't happened forever. I went away on vacation.
2: Hence the little
0: Yeah, I went to Miami with friends and I didn't eat clean. And my body got some taste of sugar. Yep. And because of that, these things that haven't happened, literally, I haven't had this in two months, came right back. And in my mind, it's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry because my stomach's growling. I'm not. But it comes across as that. So... To answer your question, you have to fight it. You have to break the habit. Now, you can do that a bunch of different ways. You could trick the the habit part of the habit loop, the routine part. You know, there's the cue of hunger. There's the habit and there's the reward of eating something tasty. You could trick it by doing something else like doing push-ups, meditating, going for a run. Or you just willpower through it. Or you try and switch it, which is like why smokers go to hard candy instead of Mm -hmm. smoking cigarettes. And change it to have something healthier than what you've been doing. Cool.
2: I think that's all the time we got today. Oh this, my gosh, that
0: was know. so not a rapid round. I know. It's all right. I, was, I failed that epically. It's okay.
2: It's all right. This is part two of like an infinite part series. Okay. So I got a lot. I have a lot more questions. Oh, good. So yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back. But uh, we got to run next door. Ben, thanks so much for coming to the office. That's the see if way. Anyway. We, we, we shake at the end we of the day? We should that? do this. <laughs> I'm in an office. I need to shake a hand. All right. That's that's the rule.